the Justin Kenner Show with Kev Nash live here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. I'm Justin Kenner. He's Kev Nash. And we are live. Well, let's see. We're live on 1410 Wing AM. We are live at wingam.com on the stream, of course. If you want to watch us, you can head to Facebook, search the Justin Kenner Show, uh, and like the show page and follow ESPN Dayton YouTube channel. I think that checks it off, Kev. I think we got everything covered. Mr. Kev Nash, happy, wait, Thursday. Yes, happy Thursday. What up, though? We were off yesterday. What happened? Other jobs. <laughs> Other Things responsibilities. Because we don't just... I, I do get a kick out of the people who actually think that, like... Well, I mean, what time do you have to go into work? Your show's at 3, so about 2 o'clock, right? Yeah. In the morning. <laughs> like, doesn't work that way. But, yes, other stuff led to yesterday, so our apolo- my apologies. Uh, but we are back today. Uh, and you know what? I'm not annoyed that people were annoyed that we weren't on yesterday because that means people actually you know, want to listen to the show. So I guess i got to think of it like that. But nonetheless, excited to be with you here today on a Thursday. A lot to get into. Uh, WWE Live will be at the Nutter Center on Saturday. We are still giving tickets away for that. You can head to wingam.com and register there. Uh, look in the in the win section, in the contest section, and register to win uh, tickets to see WWE Live at the Nutter Center on Saturday. Saturday night. Um, Austin Theory, WWE superstar, he's supposed to be calling into the show at about 3.30. For those of you watching live on Facebook and YouTube, he'll be video streaming into the show as well. So uh, keep it locked in here for that coming up at 3.30 for you wrestling fans out there. Wrestling. And then uh, Brent Ulrey, the head coach for the Centerville Elks, he will join us at 4 o'clock. So we have a couple guests lined up for you here over the next hour. And there you go. But I wanted to open up, Kev, talking a little college basketball. Um, with the Look, we talk so much college football with the idea of expanding the college football playoff, which we know that's going to happen. It's going to expand to a 12-team college football playoff, which is what we expected. And, okay, that's fine. I prefer it at four. I'm not losing sleep over it, expanding to 12. But if you start to look at how this season has laid out already, you know, Alabama losing this past week, Kev. Um, Alabama losing to Tennessee this past week in a 12-team playoff, that loss means nothing. Right. Alabama's in. Losing to Tennessee. Alabama could probably lose to Georgia again for a second loss this year and still be in the playoff. This is why the 12-team playoff stinks. I don't like it from that perspective right there. But I'll enjoy watching the heck out of it come you know late December, January when the expanded playoffs start. But March Madness. I'm not big on cliches, as you know. I don't like cliches, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. There are not a lot of perfect things in sports. I don't think. I mean, the NFL is as close to perfect as it gets uh, from beginning to end. The NBA is not perfect from beginning to end. It has its peaks and valleys. College football, I think, is pretty, is pretty close to being perfect right now. The 14 playoff makes every game matter in the regular season. That is why when Alabama loses to Tennessee, right now there's Alabama fans who are not confident that they are 1,000% going to be playing in the college football playoff uh, come that time. So I love that aspect to it. So I do think it's close to. But once they go to 12, the regular season will not mean as much. Therefore, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, baseball, 162 games. The regular season doesn't matter. It's just way too dang long. Um, even teams of even fans of winning teams, you you can't seem to stay interested for the entire season. Your team won 93 games this year, Kev. Uh, it didn't seem like Guardians fans truly. You did though. It it didn't seem like Guardians fans truly invested into this team until oh wow, 100 you know 162 <laughs> games later. Oh, I guess the Guardians. That's a baseball team, not a roller derby team. Okay, cool. I'm gonna be a fan. There are flaws in every sport. Hockey. Yes, you have your passionate hockey fans. It just it doesn't seem to grow. It, it's it's not gaining interest around the country. Soccer comes and goes. It's not gaining interest across the country. Whatever. Basketball, March Madness, the NCAA tournament is the best thing in the history of sports. It is the only thing I could consider perfect. I think it is perfect. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, Kev. 
And now there's all this talk of expanding it by at least 20 teams. Goodness now, I don't know what that means for the first four. I don't know what that means if there'll be multiple first fours. I don't know what that necessarily means of how that impacts, impacts us here in Dayton. I don't think it needs to expand by 20 teams. Um, I know I upset some local parents who listened to the show when it was announced that the high school playoffs was going to expand for football. I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. Making the playoffs used to be an honor. It used to be, uh, an, uh, it used to be an accomplishment. It used to be something that you had to work really, really hard to do. And I'm not saying that these teams don't work really, really hard to get to the playoffs right now. But when you look at how many teams that are under 500 that aren't playoff worthy that are still playing in the playoff, I do mm-hmm. have a problem with that. I know we have to watch, uh, you know, how aggressive we talk about that because it's kids and all. But I hate that they expanded the playoff because. I remember, you know, when you you have uh, you know former classmates and you know just making the playoffs that used to matter, all right. Just making the playoffs. Now everyone makes it. It's not as much of an accomplishment. So it is what it is. But Kev, the idea of expanding the NCAA tournament, it's just nothing but a pure money grab. That's all sports is anymore. I completely get that. But this idea that expanding the NCAA tournament to get more of the little guys in, that's not what's going to happen. More of the little guys, the right states of the world are not going to benefit from the NCAA tournament expanding. If anything, all it's going to do is give those 17 to 18 win teams in the Big Ten an opportunity to get it. Now it's going to give those fringe SEC teams who are just on the outside looking in an opportunity. The Penn States of the world, Penn State's not a basketball school. Penn State's not killing it in the in college basketball. Penn State last season, you expand the the NCAA tournament, they're probably getting in. I think it's absolutely uh, a horrible idea to expand the NCAA tournament. Don't waste our time telling us it's for the smaller schools to get more. No, it's for the more of the schools in the Power Five conferences have to continue to get added to the list of the Mar- of March Madness so that more money comes to the conferences. I think it's a horrible idea. I don't like it either, and I follow a guy that loves the idea of expansion in Jim Beheim. Jim Beheim has been screaming for expansion of March Madness since the 90s. He wants it... To- to be like 80 teams. He was been talking like that since the 90s. And his argument is that the talent is better across the board. His argument isn't expanding the uh, March Madness is for more games. He's saying that the talent out there is better. And his argument is once the NBA goes back to one and done, that means the talent is going to be more on an even platform more than ever. So if you want to tell me that argument, I can listen. Any other argument from that, I can't listen to. Uh, I can understand that argument. I can understand the fact that, all right, if there's not going to be NBA talent in college basketball, no matter if it's at Kentucky or if it's at Wright State, then, yeah, okay, you can make the argument that most of this talent is equally the same, so we're going to open it up for everybody to give them a fair chance because everybody's kind of playing from an equal standing place. But – that's not the case right now. Right now, there's tons of NBA talent in college basketball. So until that happens, I don't think they should even consider expanding it past what it is right now. I wasn't even a big fan of them expanding it to 68. Makes my bracket harder to fill out. <laughs> yeah, and again, in 518-1410, by the way, 518-1410, if you want to call and jump in on the conversation. Are we missing uh, an obvious benefit to expanding March Madness, are, I'm assuming this is not a popular uh, thing to do, is expanding the NCAA tournament. Um, and I'm curious where people are, are with this. You know, I guess the SEC media days for college basketball, uh, Sankey, of course, the SEC uh, commissioner. 
uh, you know, he's been very boisterous about this, and he's starting to gain more, you know, support in this. And by the way, it stinks, but if he wants it, it's go- it's going to happen. Oh yeah, it's going to happen, and that's that's the thing that's uh, unfortunate. But no, as as a fan of a mid major team in Wright State. The idea, when I heard the interview that John Rothstein earlier today talking about the idea is to help the smaller school stop <laughs> Wright State, programs like Wright State in northern Kentucky and those types of schools, those are not going to benefit from the expansion of the NCAA tournament. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. So we'll keep an eye on kind of more that's kind of coming from that. Uh, and again, these are just, you know, kind of reports circulating right now. It's nothing uh, that's, uh, you know, definitely going to happen as we currently sit right here. But no, like I said, so I remember last year, Kev, Bearcat fans kept saying, oh, we need to expand the college football playoff. This is before the news of them going to the Big 12. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, oh, you know, the, the, the playoff needs to expand because it's going to let more it's going to give more schools like UCF and Cincinnati an opportunity. And I'm like, no, why, what are the reasons why they're not making the college football playoff now? It's before Cincinnati made it last year, of course. Well, their strength of schedule is not strong enough. And, you know, they, they really don't have any good quality wins. And even if they get a good quality win, they have zero quality wins in their conference. So Ohio State can have a big quality win in non-con and still pick up three or four quality wins in the conference. And, and Exactly. And by 518-1410, uh, you know, we'll continue to get your calls in line here. But that was always my point. Do you think that those excuses of what was keeping the Bearcats out of the playoff conversation in years past, do you think those go away? Do you think that by expanding the college football playoff that all of the sudden that now we're not going to talk, of course, about the, the strength of schedule for the Bearcats? No. If if the Bearcats before last year didn't make the college football playoff because their schedule and their conference isn't good enough, if it wasn't good enough to get them into four, why would it be good enough to let them in at six, eight, ten, or twelve teams? That's why I'm saying this about the NCAA tournament. It's not going to help. There are there are still teams in the middle of the SEC that play a tougher schedule than a 28 win Horizon League team. That's just the reality of it. I could even say, yes, it's cool if a team wins 28 games in the Horizon League. You're still going to be viewed as a team that well, I would hope you could win 28 games in that conference how about this 18 win team in the sec who yeah they might have 11 losses but damn it they play somebody they're always going to get that benefit of the doubt that's why i'm not a fan of of saying it that just say what you really mean more power five teams more money to those conferences because they just don't make enough yeah because he wouldn't be doing his job if he didn't say that you know his job isn't to be out here trying to make money for other conferences his job is to make money for his institutions and that's his job it, that's what all these commissioners' jobs is to bring in more money. And we talked about this with college football. The main revenue generator is live sports. We talked about, you know, you know, gambling is about to come legal in Ohio. You think that's not going to entice more people to watch more college sports because they get a yep. chance to gamble on it right there on their phone? So all this is about money. You're going to renegotiate your contract with whatever network for basketball, and you're going to say, hey, man, we need more money. And that's all it's about. And he's doing his job to get more money for his conference schools. So, William Yelling says, just eliminate the 16th seed play-in and have the first four uh, have the first four in play the last four out. It's an easy fix. Easy fix to what? We're still adding 20 teams. So, by the way, just to reset here, John Rothstein tweeted this out about two hours ago, Kev. The Division One Transformation Committee has had dialogue to expand the NCAA tournament in all sports uh, to include 25% of the programs who are eligible. So, this would mean that men's basketball, the, the men's basketball NCAA tournament would expand by approximately 20 
teams. Um, while the Division One Transformation Committee has discussed expanding the NCAA tournament in all sports, there's a strong sentiment that expanding the men's basketball tournament is different because of its uniqueness. The committee will meet later again, uh, later on this month. <laughs> Uh, to me, this is happening. Right? Oh, this is more than happening. It's happened already. <laughs> so yes, it's just it's not. They're not trying to decide if they're going to do it. They're trying to decide how uh, they want and win to to do that. Um, Dennis on Facebook says it's the everyone gets a trophy era. Uh, Steve Stetler says I disagree with that. It's not uh, that. It's not that everybody gets a trophy era. Everyone gets a check era. That's exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's not about, oh, man, we get to hang up a banner or a trophy. It's, hey, man, we get to bring in more money. And if you got any kids that are in college right now, you know that better than anybody else out there. You think their tuition in last fall is the same that it is this fall? Tuition doesn't go down. It only goes up. So this is all about money. Um, let's see what else we have going on here. Um, do, 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 do. Some guy says, I listened to Soli get into this on his show. It's just a way to get Soli from the Talking Out Loud podcast, by the way, Sully. which is coming back to ESPN Radio this uh, this upcoming basketball season, of course. A small handful of teams like Dayton would be helped by an 80-team uh, field. Uh, some guy, yes, I was actually on Soli's show recorded with him earlier today talking about this very subject um and you know that's the one thing him and i agreed on is that yeah they're they're gonna tell you one thing that hey we're doing it's, it's basically a politician approach mm-hmm. this is what we're going to do for you all while not letting you know what we're doing for you is benefiting us and we're, we're really not going to do what we're saying is going to benefit you but it's going to make you feel good you're going to approve it and then we're going to get all the money for it and then we'll just kind of skate by on broken promises that's exactly what this is going to be no one's going to benefit from this that's not already benefiting from the current model to begin with. Just more teams. Teams are benefit. Teams are benefit. Um, it's not going to be the amount. So if you're adding an additional 20 teams, let's just say, all right, 15 of them are going to be from the Power Five or whatever. And five will be, you know, scattered. Maybe uh, St. Mary's doesn't have to win and beat Gonzaga and they'll get in maybe uh i don't know what's another real popular team that's coming from one of the smaller conferences out there maybe they can be the shoe in maybe the second seed out of their conference to always be able to get in but to think like all right this is going to open it up for the third and fourth seed from the horizon to sneak into the tournament that's laughable even maybe not even, even a second, second team so no. it's always going to be like that so this david shaw what up shaw yeah, he changed his profile picture. Look at that smile. Look yeah. at it. It's just a happy dude. Look at that. The Michigan hat, the upside down sunglasses. Not even a full smile, Kev. It's a, it's a, it's, I'm a badass. Look at that smirk. David Shaw. I'm, surpri- look, look, look I'm surprised he's chiming in on the show He's today. chiming in. I'm going to leave him alone today. But he says that uh, this will help UD, but not Wright State. I agree, and I don't care if UD fans get mad at me for this. This will help UD. This will help UD because what they want is is they want to be able to lose three straight by games and still be rewarded by getting an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. Like that's that's basically like UD would have been free. They were almost forgiven for it anyways last year in the in the field of sixty eight. I'm not saying I didn't really want them in, but I, I wasn't outraged when they didn't get it. I said you didn't deserve it. You lose three straight bye. You're trying to convince me you're an at large team. At large teams don't buy. They don't lose three straight bye games. I don't care if it really if it was November or not. Um, let's see. Uh, some guy says I don't care for expanding it, but for argument's sake, last year's Dayton team was oh. 
perfect. Good timing. Uh, Dayton's, uh, the Dayton team was coming on strong late until Malachi got hurt. So if healthy, the Flyers definitely could benefit from an expanded field. And that team was capable of pulling off upsets. Absolutely. But that team was also capable of getting upset. And that's what happened in three straight by games last year. Now, this isn't about last year. This isn't about UD. UD would definitely benefit from this. But my point is, is if you want to expand the NCAA tournament, Kev, to let those fringe teams in who have proven, yes, they could beat good teams, but they're a fringe team for a reason because they lost to bad teams. I don't think you expand it to reward mediocre mediocre teams. Now, Dayton was good enough by the end of last year to probably make to maybe get to the uh, Sweet 16, maybe round of 32, uh, maybe Sweet 16. I don't know. Deron Holmes, they, they they had some good pieces. They have great pieces all coming back this year, more experienced. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, for the sake of that, and I've even said that about the, the college football playoff. Why are we expanding it? You want to you wanna see more of the three lost teams? You want to see more? <laughs> you know what I mean? You're expanding it so we can see more Penn State? I, I don't care about the Penn States or the fringe LSU teams or stuff like that, Like, but... It is what it is. It's not about that, though. They're trying right. to say it's about we're going to watch it no matter what is what they're saying. It's just about the money. For the I think you can still get good games, but especially in the college football playoff, because if you have like teams playing up against each other, that means they are going to play a good game. That yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that once they advance to the next round to play whatever big dog that they play next, that they're going to play good versus them. You're definitely going to get a good game if you get, I don't know, say Penn State and UCLA or something like that. You get a good game out of that matchup. There's no guarantee that the winner of that is going to play good versus Ohio State or Bama, but you will get some good matchups. It's just all about do you care to watch those matchups? Uh, ring the bell, the troll bell. No, no, that's not what this is. It is for right now, it is. Ring the troll oh, bell. Oh, goodness. All right, so the troll you bell. You get a, a bad bell. No, you, you got, no, you got to ring it with authority. No, no, no. It's a troll bell. So Johnny Ortez says a few minutes late. Has Wright State started selling oh. tickets yet? Yeah, <laughs> sure. And he said Davidson by 25. Davidson by 25. Johnny, you are now officially, you are eliminated from top 10 Justin Kinner ranking <laughs> contention. I'm just saying you will not be in the top 10 tomorrow now. You will not be in the top 10. You are officially eliminated. That is the rare time I would have told you to break out the hater mic. But that's why I said get the bell ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Um, Mike Nemfer says I don't think we should have conference tournaments. I forget what non-conference school with ten losses uh, got in. Look, I, I agree. I think the conference tournaments are again. That's all about money. Those, that doesn't pro- conference tournaments are very important for the smaller schools who get the auto bid for winning those. That's why the Horizon League and some of those schools, even the A10, the A10. If we want to see the A10 benefits from the uh, conference tournaments because although you have your like three. On a three to four on a good year for the current A10, having top 25 aspirations, of course. You know, half the time it's coming down to the final two or three. You're able to get a bid stealer. You're able to, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the top 25 team sometimes doesn't win the A10. So now you get two or three teams in as opposed to just the one top 25 team that would have got the at-large and they steal an auto bid, yada, yada. Um, so no, th- those matter. They don't matter for, for the ACC. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Duke and North Carolina and schools like that, more times than not, their tickets punched to the da- big dance uh, for the next 10 years, right? I know that's we're coming off of two years ago. Did Duke miss it two years ago? Who missed it two, two years ago? Two yeah. years ago. Um, you know, and that was through the weird transition period with COVID. Not a good oh, excuse, Bell. Does that, does that count? Yeah, there Definitely we go. Definitely excuse, There Bell. it is. Um, Definitely. But, uh, no, like, I think it's pointless. I hate the a- ACC conference tournament. I hate the SEC and all those. Like, you know those schools are in. How many bid stealers come out of those conferences? Not many. Mm, every blue moon. Every blue moon you get one. 
I, 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 I remember. Small I remember <laughs> this was the funny bid stealer. It was North Carolina who stole a bid. It was uh, it was uh, probably in the early two thousands. Um, it was actually the probably like Rashad McCants. Remember him? Yep. I think that was a, his like freshman or sophomore year. They were mediocre throughout the ACC, and they made it all the way to the ACC conference tournament championship game and gave Duke a scare, and then they were able to get a bid to the March Madness. All right, 518-1410, Kev, who's up? We got Jesse, line three. Uh, Jesse, what up, man? How are you? Hey, Jesse, Kenner, Kev Nash. How you guys doing, fellas? Good, man. Another day in paradise. Well, I, I got I know. I got a good tournament take. I'm not really sure what the whole bell thing's about, but I'm sure I'm going to get one of these for the, for, before it's up. But uh, I apologize for the last time I called in, Justin. I ain't going to get a lot more opportunities to where the Browns crap the bed and the Bengals play a backup quarterback, so... I wanted to jump on that opportunity last week. Please, no hard feelings on that. But when it comes to the tournament, when it comes to the tournament expansion, I really liked when they expanded with the first four. But I wish they would do it with all at-large teams. Like, give those 16s and 15 seeds, let them in because they've proved that they can play with the big boys. So let's put all 11 and 12 seeds in those four games. Just 11 and 12 seeds, just great games at UD Arena, and then make them get in there. And then the 15 and 16 seeds are in. If you're going to expand the tournament, that would be expanding the tournament. You're putting four more at-large teams in it and letting those 15s and 16s in, which have proved that they can win. So that, that's my take on the tournament. I think it's good the way it is. Don't mess up a good thing. Agreed. And the one thing the NCAA tournament needs to do is they need to find a way to rebrand the first four. It is not a play-in tournament. Uh, I know this for a fact because Wright State won their conference tournament and got the auto bid. That means you can't uh, play into a tournament that you're already in. Uh, you know what I mean? Like right. Wright State, they won their yeah. conference tournament. They were an NCAA tournament team. And they played in the first four, and people were trying to say, well, they have to play into the tournament. No, they're already in. The, you don't play into a tournament you're already in. Stop with those dumb takes. Like, that doesn't make any sense. They need to rebrand it because the branding of that does not make any sense. My, my idea is very similar to what Jesse said. Even embrace the fact that most most fan bases call it the plan. Let it be the plan, but in literally make it a plan. Have all those teams that are bubble teams play in it. Yep. Make it a, make so it a the game. bubble team. So, yeah. so the the bubble teams, the first four out, yes. make them play in the play yep. in. All yeah. right, that's fair. And rebrand Th- that's it how to you that. more teams. Yeah, that's that's how you yep. make it far more exciting. All your freaking eighteen and nine teams out there, your NC States, the Syracuse's, all those yep. teams. You guys Virginia, show up at UD uh, Arena. Yeah, Vir- all the Virginia, big brand yeah, Virginia Tech. Yeah. <laughs> Arizona yeah. State, yeah. all them two teams yeah. that are yep. always on the bubble. You guys show up yeah. down there at UD Arena. You guys play your way into the tournament because we're – look, man, we know this. We're never going to call it really what it is, the first four. We're not buying mm-hmm. the fact that, oh, all these uh, 60-something other teams get a first-round buy, and these teams, they're really kicking things off. People have already have it made up in their mind what this is. This is a playing tournament. So embrace that and put all the bubble teams down there. You get way more bang for your buck. And if they expand for more bubble teams, that might give like a Missouri State that went undefeated in conference and lost their conference tournament, that might put them into that next four to get to go play Syracuse that was sixteen and, you know, twelve or something. You know, it'll put some, you know, some you know, some lower school teams in it and, you know, get to play a good team, I could be way more interesting. Go ahead and put the 15 and 16 teams in. They proved they can win. They need to hire us, Jesse. Yeah. I'm saying, right? Preach, Kev. Preach, Kev. (laughs) 
right. Y'all have a good night. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, later. Jesse. Appreciate you. 518-1410. That's the number to call and jump in on the conversation. John Sladens, he says, once again, Wright State gets mentioned and someone feels the need to trash them. They did make the tournament last year, if my memory serves me well. Um, yes, and this is not a shot at UD, but if UD fans want to take a shot at the team that I follow, then I'm just <laughs> going to point out that uh, since, what, 2018, Wright State has actually made the NCAA tournament more times. Uh, they have more NCAA tournament wins and appearances than the team here in town. So I just want to point that out. That's not a shot at UD. I'm just pointing out NCAA tournament facts. It's our fact of the day, if you will. Uh, fact of the day, Bell? No, we're going to define fact the, bell. the day, bell. We bell. Fact of the day, Bell. Fact of the day, Bell. Just ring the damn bell. Wow, that was weak. Yeah. That was weak. Because you're trying to take over my bell. You it, what? Because what you know you're going to get more. You're going to get more than anybody. You're going to oh, get yeah. more. It's the excuse bell. It's the oh, excuse yeah. bell. All the right. Cav Nash excuse bell. I am the ruler of all with excuses. I'm going to get my own bell. It's going to be bigger than You got than your mother. hater mic. I don't know you, where the hater you, mic is. You got your prop. I have my prop. Dick A, how are you, buddy? Ah, that's twice in a row. All right, Dickie, that's that's on you. That's on you. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash here on 1410 ESPN Radio. All right, folks, we appreciate uh, those who are tuning in hanging out with us today. Some of you are wrestling fans. Some of you are not, and that's totally fine. WWE Saturday night's main event will be live at the Nutter Center this coming up Saturday. We have plenty of tickets we're giving away. Head to wingam.com and uh, register for your chance to win tickets to Saturday night's Saturday night main event. WWE, a lot of great superstars on hand, including our next guest, Austin Theory. Austin Theory, of course, wrestled Pat McAfee at WrestleMania. WrestleMania last year, and then, of course, he worked that program with Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin, so I can't wait to chat about that with him. Austin Theory, WWE Superstar, he joins us next right here on 1410 ESPN Radio. The Justin Kenner Show with Kev Nash. Presented by Brad Mays with Home Experts Realty. Weekdays at... Saturday night's main event going to be coming to Dayton at the Nutter Center. Uh, I'm pretty excited. This is the first time since COVID that WWE has come back to the Miami Valley, and I can't tell you how pumped I am to be able to go back to an air uh, in the city of Dayton. Joining us now, WWE superstar, and let me make sure I get this right, of course, the youngest Money in the Bank winner in WWE history, Mr. Austin Theory, hanging out with us today. Austin, welcome in, sir. How are you? I'm great, man. I mean, you said it. I'm the youngest Mr. Money in the Bank. I got to be great. Absolutely. Hey, man, so let me talk to you about this. I think when you had started, you were at the NXT when everything had shut down and you guys were doing those, uh, you know, no fans in attendance. You're one of my favorite young superstars right now, mainly because of the fact that I'm a big fan of heels and I love your heel work, the way you work a crowd. How tough is that being a heel when you're not getting that instant reaction from a crowd to feed off of? Uh, So for me, I always uh, stay true to myself, and I know exactly uh, what I need to do. Um, and, you know, uh, it's one of those things, you know, with the audience chanting, you suck, or, you know, getting on to you and stuff like that. Uh, a, lot, a lot of times people fold under that, I feel like, um, especially 
when you're cutting a promo and you're constantly getting the what. Uh, but I, I just like to dive into that and have fun. And especially uh, if I'm in a situation where there isn't a reaction, I figure out my best way to get that reaction. Because at the end of the day, that's what I want. And if there's not a reaction, then I don't need to be out there. I am with that. Then, of course, you get right away to being able to to work the crowd when fans come back. What was that moment like, too? Because, you know, you being a young superstar, you're coming into the mix. You know, you're learning how to, you know, feed off of that crowd as well. You're super talented, but I'm sure that was a, a learning curve as well, having to learn how to feed off of that crowd and kind of get them to zig when you want them to zag, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like I said before, man, it's, it's a whole process figuring it out. And not every place you go is the same. Uh, everybody has a different flavor of what they like and what they're interested in. And especially, you know, starting off, um, you know, you, you just get thrown into the deep end, you know, and, and they tear you alive, you know, and, and it's one of those things where you gotta, you gotta really zone in and figure out what works for you and what's really going to make that crowd response better for you. WWE superstar Austin Theory hanging out with us here this afternoon. I can't wait uh, for Saturday. Like I said, it's my first WWE event to go to back in Dayton uh, since COVID hit, of course. Um, you're one of my favorite superstars uh, in WWE right now. Not just saying that because you're on the interview with me, but uh, I love heels, as I talked about. I think your heel work is awesome. Uh, but I'm not going to lie. I'm a huge Pat McAfee fan from a sports talk radio perspective and like seeing the crossover work that he was doing with you guys and getting to see the program you guys worked at WrestleMania last year. Look, no offense to Pat McAfee, but you were in the ring with Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, how cool was that for you? Because, like, you're obviously, you know, you're coming up right now and you're getting a lot of the spotlight on you. But I I'm sure that was a surreal moment sharing the ring with Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin. And to do that at WrestleMania, that was a pretty cool experience for me as a fan. What, what about you as a participant in that ring? So, I mean, just to start off with, uh, you know, like you said, like Pat McAfee, somebody that's uh, a great athlete, uh, a great person, somebody that just a natural athlete inside the ring and just understands it. Um, that was an awesome moment to share with him. But for that to be stacked with uh, Mr. McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin in the ring with me at the very same time, uh, it's like time kind of stood still, though. Uh, I remember standing in the corner and just watching Stone Cold and Mr. McMahon interact in the middle. And I remember just looking around the entire uh, WrestleMania arena, and it was, man, it was just wild to, to just know that I was a part of that. Um, and everybody knows the legacy there and the story there and, you know, what those two have done. And, and you know, you can say what you want, but I think those two are definitely on the Mount Rushmore of sports entertainment. Oh, I mean, th those two, that Vince McMahon, Stone Cold Steve Austin era, that's what I grew up watching. That's, you know, them and D-Generation X, those two factions or those two storylines, if you will, crossovers. That's what got me into wrestling. And, you know, what about you growing up? Who were the guys that, I mean, you're 24, correct? Uh, 25, actually. 25. Now. So 25. So who were the guys that you watched, uh, you know, growing up? And at what point when you got to WWE, you're like, holy smokes, like I'm in the ring with these guys or I'm talking to, to this superstar here. Who, who were some of those guys for you? Uh, for me, uh, John Cena was definitely uh, somebody that I grew up watching. Uh, Jeff Hardy, I uh, got to be in the ring with him. Yeah. Uh, Rey Mysterio, um, Sheamus, uh, Bobby Lashley, uh, Brock Lesnar. Um, <laughs> All those guys, man, and even getting to have moments, you know, having a U.S. title match uh, in the MGM Grand with Bobby Lashley um, or being in the Money in the Bank ladder match, beating guys like I grew up watching, like, you know, Sheamus, Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins, 
just people like that and, and, and being in that same moment with them, it's, uh, it's so crazy, man, especially, uh, and they all hate when I say this, but, uh, having all their action figures, uh, growing up <laughs> and they're like, man, you make me feel so old, but you know, that's how it goes, man. Right. You've already had the experience that, you know, working at WrestleMania with Stone Cold Steve Austin and a program with Vince McMahon, of course. But who's that guy that you haven't worked with yet? I know the, the John Cena feelers have kind of been put out there. Um, you know, I don't know all the backgrounds of how WWE operates and what control you have over what storylines you're involved with. But if you could pick a, an angle, if you could pick a storyline of a of a WWE, you know, superstar, either, you know, current or, or past that you could work with, who would that be? Man, I'd have to say uh, if I could go into like a uh, a deep feud with somebody, somebody that I really would love to do that with would be Rey Mysterio. Hmm. Um, I just think there's no other uh, just real uh, – uh, I, I just feel like Rey Mysterio is such a baby face. Like people just love Rey Mysterio. And I think if you have a really good good guy and a really good bad guy, I think that story would be so great. And um, there's so many different things you can do. You know, we've we've seen Ray with Eddie. We've seen Ray with Batista. We've seen, you know, Ray with Randy. Uh, I think those are just always stood out to me, especially, uh, you know, just just the the way they can get into it and all the things that Ray Mysterio can do. The talent that comes to the table is just it's unspeakable. Why do you think there's so much uh, crossover appeal between you, yourself, and John Cena? John Cena being like when he first, you know, broke into WWE. Obviously, you know, bodybuilders, you guys have such great physique, of course. You know, you have charisma being such young guys or him being young, you know, when he broke into WWE. Uh, did I just answer my, my own question? You know, what is it about the appeal of John Cena coming in and you coming in that has everyone really clamoring for that? I know I do, but uh, your thoughts on why that is? So I think with me, uh, everybody sees the comparison because of, uh, you know, maybe it's the look, maybe it's, uh, maybe it is, you know, the speaking, uh, or it's how I carry myself. But I, I think there's a lot of, uh, comparisons, you know, like people will go back and say, Oh, look, they, they kind of look really similar. Or, um, Oh, they both, you know, talk trash like this and, <laughs> and do that. And so I think it's like one of those things where it's like, uh, like if you've ever seen the the Spider-Man movies where there's like another universe, uh, it's almost <laughs> like it's just like the same person in another universe. I feel like that's what people get a feel of. And I think combining that and the the difference of where we're at on the scale of the WWE and the potential and of what could happen, I think that's what makes everybody excited for that. All right, he's the youngest WWE Money in the Bank winner, Austin Theory, WWE superstar. Awesome enough to join us on today's Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Austin, send us out with this, you know, a sports talk show. Who, who, like, let us know a little bit about yourself. Like, who are the teams that you follow? You follow the NFL. Like, what are some of your sports teams uh, out there, of course? So this is going to be everybody's favorite part about Austin Theory. Austin Theory does not really watch sports. But I always ask this, though. Who is your favorite sports team? Oh, the Cleveland Browns, and that's a if the, if there was ever a team to represent to be a heel in WWE, the Cleveland Browns would be the biggest heel of all time. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> now you know what I I normally would just say, hey, I'll I'll be you know, I'll be with you on that. But the reason why I'm not going to go with the Cleveland Browns is because of uh, a guy named Johnny Gargano, and uh, uh, anybody yeah. that doesn't <laughs> know Johnny Gargano, uh, he was. 
he was kind of a mentor, you know, for me. And uh, he's a dude that pretty much turned out jealous. But he's a huge fan of the Cleveland Browns. So uh, that's a hard pass for me. That's a hard pass. Well, that's fair enough. And you know what? I didn't even realize that that would play into, uh, obviously, your feud with him right now. So that was kind of good timing on that. All right, Austin, <laughs> you the man. I appreciate you. WWE fans who haven't been to an event, what can they expect on Saturday night, uh, Dayton wrestling fans here in the area? Well, they can expect to see the youngest Mr. Money in the Bank and the greatest thing that the WWE has ever made, and that is Austin Theory. And there's nothing like a live event experience. It's uh, It's so creative, and it's so much energy, and the focus is entirely on the crowd. So it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. All right, good stuff. WWE superstar Austin Theory. Austin, thanks so much. Can't wait to see you Saturday night. Take care. Thank you, man. It's the Justin Kenner Show with Kev Nash. Justin, you're awesome, baby. Right here on 1410. Jake Trotter covers the Browns for ESPN, Kevin. Uh, he tweeted out an interesting little... Uh, I don't know how I feel about this one. The Ravens' offense ranks number one in both run block win rates and yards before contact on designed runs per carry. The Browns' defense is giving up the most yards before contact on designed runs per carry. So uh, <laughs> Mets is not voting well. I did see that Lamar's been held out of practice this week. Uh, we're starting to maybe the Browns could start getting some of that Bengals luck. Can we start facing <laughs> some backup quarterbacks? I'm just saying. Although we have lost to backup quarterbacks. I was just year. about to say we that. We did lose to, to Joe Flacco. Yeah. But just one. How many have they lost? I mean, <laughs> three backups. My goodness. Uh, but nonetheless. You're precious brownies, man. They're up against it, man. They're definitely up against it. Looking at this next two games, obviously they're super important. Every game in the NFL is super important. But they're division games. You got the Ravens. And then on Halloween night, Monday night football, you got the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, that's uh, and against the run, I'm fine. I, I'm not worried about the Bengals when it comes to the, to the run game. But my goodness, it's that whole, I don't know. Leaving wide receivers wide, they're filling the blank open, you know, and just uh, torching the Browns' defense. Like, that that's the problem uh, that I have when it's all said and done. Other So, some of the lines from this weekend coming up uh, for Week 7. Cardinals, Saints. That's tonight, right? Cardinals, Saints tonight. Thursday night football. And the Saints get Chris Olave back. They do not have Michael Thomas. What else? They will not have yeah. They will not have Jarvis Landry either. I don't have him on my fantasy football team either. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, Cardinals are favored. What do you think the line is? Three. Close enough. Two and a half. The Cardinals oh. are two and a half point favorite. We're guessing the line as we kind of go down the list here a little bit right now. But uh, we'll even uh, you know we'll slap some music on uh, behind <laughs> Hopkins the back bit. too, right? Hopkins, I believe it. I do not know that for a fact, I'm actually. Almost, I know that he should be back this week, right? Week 7, it was a six-week suspension, correct? I'm going to dig into it. And that. if that's the case, why was the, has that not been made a bigger deal of? Because they also, who's the wide receiver that the Cardinals lost? And then they just went out and got the kid from... Uh, they the lost kid. Hollywood Brown. And, and then, then they, they went out and got Roby Anderson. Rose, yeah. So, interesting. If they get Roby Anderson and Hopkins. But uh, the Cardinals are an interesting team right there. They're two-and-a-half-point favorite. How about the Cowboys and Lions, Kev? The Cowboys coming up that tough loss against the Eagles. They have the Lions coming into town. The Lions are one and four on the season. Who's favored and what's the line? Cowboys by seven and a half. 
Are you guessing or you know these? I'm guessing. Oh, total okay. Guess. Well, Cowboys, that's a good guess. Anyways, but <laughs> Cowboys with I Dak said it with Prescott. conviction. Yeah, seven-point oh, favorite. Dallas at home, a seven-point favorite with the Lions in town. How about the Titans and the Colts? The Titans, the home team, three and two. Battle of three and twos, but uh, the Titans have won three straight. They were part of the very first bye week this season. Uh, they're a little bit well-rested. The Colts still trying to figure themselves out. It's amazing to me that they're three and two on the year, but that's where they're at right now. Three, two, and one, I should say. Um, or three, yeah, three, two, and one. So Colts, Titans, who's favored? What's the line? Titans by three and a half. Titans by two and a half. You're you're off to a pretty good start. Wow, I, you really don't see two and a half out there that much. Yep, that's odd. Two of the first uh, four. <laughs> wow, okay. Two of the first four. So there's that. Um, and by the way, make your picks at wingam.com. Twenty dollars, twenty-five dollars in Frickers Fun Bucks awarded to the weekly round winners. So go and check that out. And uh, even if you haven't participated up to this point, that's totally fine. It's weekly round winners. Uh, you can go and make your picks uh, ahead of tonight's week seven game one again on Prime Video Saints and Cardinals. All right, the Packers and the Commanders, Cav two and four Commanders. They're the home team. They're welcoming in Aaron Rodgers and his three and three Packers. Who's favored and what's the line? Packers are favored. I'm gonna say five. Damn you! You've been within a half of everyone so far. You're you're off to a good start. It, it's a four point line, or it's a four and a half point line. Oh, so Packers four and a half point favorites on the road at Washington. Oh, Heineke started. Yes. Not that that's too much difference from Wentz starting. Heineke there last year? Was that the guy? The, yeah. Yeah, so he wasn't bad. Yeah, he was there two years ago. Two years ago when they played Tampa the Buccaneers in the almost, playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Not, that was the year that uh, your Steelers lost to my Browns in the playoffs. Just saying. just Turning back the hands yeah, of time, it's, eh? It's, Let's yep, just turn it back go. to last season. How there about you that? Go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sweep. All right, the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers and Tom Brady, who I believe is at practice this week. Uh, his Buccaneers are three and three. They are on the road. They are at the Baker Mayfieldless Panthers, who are one and five. Who's favored, and what is the line? Bucks ten. Damn you! You again? You're, you're you're on it. You're within one now. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are eleven point favorites on the road against the Panthers. Not bad, Kevin. I would say that's the highest spread of the season, but I know it's not because the Steelers were a 14-point underdog to the Bills uh, two weeks ago. So, uh, again, continuing to go down the list here. Who's favored? What's the line? Uh, down the list we go again. The Giants and the Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars are 2-4. and four. They're welcoming in the Giants, who are 5-1, and one, and somehow just quietly um, just cruising along six weeks, a month and a half into the season, Kev. Giants at Jaguars, Kev, who's favored, and what's the line? Giants by two. You finally got one wrong. You are human. <laughs> Jacksonville is a three-point favorite at home. Wow. Now, when I saw this at first, I was like trying to you know get my upset picks for the weekend ready for tomorrow's show. And I was like, oh, the Jaguars over the Giants. I think that's a good upset pick, but you can't pick a team that's favored to win to be an upset. Why do you think they're favored? I don't think the Giants are as good as what the record indicates they are, and I don't think that the Jags are as bad as what they are. They're bad because the defense. I, I like you know, the quarterback situation. I like the offense. I think they're home. I think, that, well, let's see. We're talking about a three-point favor. I mean, that's... Basically, be an even line. I, yeah. I think that you know, if they were in New York, maybe New York's favored by three. But I think it's just basically, uh, you know, it has something to do with that. But yeah, I think that'll be a close one. And I think Jags do come home uh, with the win or stay home with the win, if you will. 
Next up, the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. They're feeling themselves uh, after that win against Green Bay last weekend in Lambeau. They are 4-2. We're talking about the Giants, 5-1. But uh, the Jets, J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets are 4-2. They're on the road. They want to ride. It's time to ride. <laughs> are the Jets going to ride, Kev, in Denver as uh, the Broncos are 2-4, and four, welcoming in the 4-2 and two Jets? I mean, who's at, favored or at, who's uh, who is the who's going to win and what's the line? At this rate, you have to bet against the Broncos every single time. At the way that they're playing offense with Russell Wilson at quarterback, you have to go against them every single time. And then you throw on the top of that that the Jets have a good defense. So I'm going to say the Jets are favored by three. The Jets are favored, and they are favored. Oh no, the the Jets are not favored at all. Wow. Denver is a one point favorite. Wow, but they're telling you by them only being a one-point favorite that it's going to be a tight game, especially on the uh, road. With I don't the, think it will be a tight game. You don't think so? I think the Jets right now, they're the cockiest in a good way. They're the cockiest, uh, confident team in football right now. I like their swag, but the, the Giants are just kind of, I don't know, maybe it, it does have a lot to do with the quarterback and the confidence that he kind of carries with himself. And I love He carries himself off the uh, field. I, I love the defense. I love the way, you know, Sauce Gardner, I love that personality he's starting to develop over there. You know, haters like me need to admit that when he was at Cincinnati and people were bragging about, oh, man, like, he's given up no touchdowns this year. Like, you play the American Conference, who gives a rip? Like, I don't care. No, because that's continued here in the NFL. Like, he is a shutdown corner, and that was one hell of a draft pick by the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. Facts. In what might be the most boring game of the weekend, the Las Vegas Raiders, 1-4, and four, welcoming in the 1-3-1 and three and one Texans. Kev, the Raiders are at home. Who's favored and what's the line? Man, it's got to be the Raiders, right? I mean, at some point, all this talent that they have on offense has to start clicking on all cylinders. So it's got to be the Raiders by six and a half. So Derek Carr has 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns on the season. I don't think it's the offense that's necessarily been the complete problem. Um, I think that there's higher expectations because of adding Devontae Adams, of course. But, yes, the Raiders. And what was the line again? Uh, you tell me. You I know, said six and a six half. And a half. You, you did it again. You're within .5. So the Raiders, the home team, one and four, are a seven-point favorite, one of the largest spreads of the weekend. Uh, and, of course, we talked about – what was the other largest spread that we talked about just a little bit ago? Uh, Buccaneers. Buccaneers and, 11. Yeah. Buccaneers had the largest lead of the uh, – largest spread of the weekend heading into week seven. Seahawks, three and three. This weird thing happening right there. I mean, by the way – if we're going to bash Pete Carroll and say Pete Carroll's to blame for why Russ wanted out of Seattle and blah, 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 I, I think, you know, it's still too premature in the season, but I think Pete Carroll needs to start getting a little bit more respect because of the fact that teams, when they lose their elite quarterbacks, they crumble. They don't sustain where they were. They don't pick up where they left off, or they don't get better. I don't think they've necessarily gotten better, but they have not gotten worse. The, the Seattle Seahawks are not worse without Russell Wilson. Right. That's what's interesting. I think uh, Pete Carroll needs a lot more love and a lot more respect than what he's been getting. But, again, there's a lot of time for them to kind of flounder, and maybe they will. But very interesting. You know, Tom Brady leaves the Patriots. They drown. You know, Big Ben leaves. And Big Ben wasn't even on his A game with the Patriots. But look how far they've dropped off. That roster's not that much different than a year ago. Now, the O-line's still bad. The run game's still bad. The defense is still solid. And the Steelers do not even look close to being as good. I mean, they're on the way back. So, I'm just saying, like, and Mike Tomlin's not a bad coach. But that's just, it's tough to coach a team after losing a franchise quarterback. And then the Seahawks do it. And they just keep cruising. Doesn't make any dang sense. But the Seahawks, 3-3 three and three on the road at the 4-2 and two Chargers. Kev, the Chargers are 4-2. and two. They haven't played the prettiest football, but they are the home team. So who is favored, and what is the line? 
This is the hardest one. This is the hardest one so far because I want to go with the Chargers. Obviously, you know, they have Herbert. They have Mike Williams. Eventually, Keenan Allen's going to come back and play some football. So you you want to go with the Chargers, but then you watch the Chargers. You watch the Chargers against the Cleveland Browns, and those boneheaded things come up. And then you watch the Chargers versus the Broncos on Monday Night Football, and their kicker has a hamstring issue, and they're calling me out to be the field goal kicker for them. So I'm still going to say the Chargers are the favorite, but I would have said probably like by five, but I'm going to go down to a three-point favorite. All right, so for this matchup right here, who's favored and what's the line? The Chargers are the favorite by five and a half. Oh, I should have went with what I said before. The, <laughs> and, and this is a tough one to bet, too, and I'm curious the money coming in on this one and how much this line is going to kind of sway back and forth. Right. The Seahawks are why this is a tough line. This is a, a tough one to guess or just to have a good feel for. The, the Chargers, you know, they're going to have a chance to win because of that offense. And right. they, but, you know, whatever. But uh, it's the Seahawks that you just don't know. You know, it should be Chargers easily. But they're well coached. Uh, they're, they're, they believe in their quarterback and, and Geno. So, I, I, you know, interesting matchup right there. All that stuff with Russell and Geno Smith, like all those cliche things that people hate to talk about, like being a good teammate and, you know, having an open ear. All those things are starting to come out about Russell Wilson not being those things. And on the flip side, they're turning out to be what exactly Geno Smith was when he was with the New York Jets. And now his time as a backup with the Seahawks. And now he's the starter. So people are kind of rally around him and just being an overall good guy. Being an overall good guy can only get you so far. But right now, for right now, they're in first place in the NFC West at 3-3. Three three. Brent Ulrey, the head coach for the Centerville Elks, who will join us coming up here in just under 10 minutes. Uh, we'll have him coming up here about 4.10. We had to push that back just a little bit. Continuing to go down the list, Kev. The Miami Dolphins, the home team. I believe Tua's back, right? Mm-hmm. So Tua's been cleared the last two weeks and still wasn't playing. This concussion protocol stuff is, like, really getting out of hand. Like, I, not taking care of the players. That should be the priority. But... You should be able to take care of the players without having to give in to the, the the fear of the backlash. Like, Miami should have stood up and flipped the bird to every single media member and everyone that questioned it. I mean, they said, they came out and said, we followed protocol. He he didn't fail any of the concussion protocol tests. Like, he, he was fine. He clearly, it was an uncomfortable scene. Something clearly is wrong. I hope that doctor sues them for everything that they have left. They shouldn't have fired him. They should have honestly just stood their ground. I hope teams nut up eventually and just start saying, hey, media, I know you want to, like, just knock heads off all the time, but go fill in the blank yourself. I'm sick of that. Uh, sorry I'm getting fired up, but, like, I, I am tired of that. And if it's going to impact teams we follow eventually. Yeah. With how much the Bengals quarterback gets hit in Joe Burrow, Bengals fans pay attention to what's going on in Miami because your quarterback gets hit way too damn much. And, by the way, the O-line has been much improved. I'm not taking a shot at your team. I'm just saying, look out. Your quarterback gets hit way too much. This will impact you eventually. The first time Joey B's head hits the ground a little too hard, watch how cautious the Bengals are. And how, I mean, how many weeks? He'll be cleared for three straight weeks and won't play for four. <laughs> it's, it's going to be ridiculous because all these teams are fearing the backlash. And I, I think it's the Dolphins' fault. I blame the Dolphins not for him getting in the concussion. I blame the Dolphins for not standing up and telling the media and the league, hey, screw you. We did our job. What's the point of these protocols being put in place if you're going to follow them and then still hold guys out because you're worried that the optics don't look good? 
Anyways, that's not the point. That's this topic. My apologies. It is football. People are going to get hurt, and I think that's what people need to be reminded of. Like, this is a violent game. We love it. We got fantasy football. We tune in. What happens when somebody gets hurt? We get up and go to the refrigerator and go get something to drink. We all thoughts some prayers, and as, as we're sipping on our beer, eating nachos and everything like that. Yo, T's and P's, man. Yeah, this is a violent game, and I think that sometimes not only the coaches but organizations need to remind the fans and the media, like, look, this is a violent game. People are going to get hurt. So we need to understand that as well. It, Yeah, maybe we could do a better job as a league, but people still need to be reminded, like, look, dudes are going to get hurt. Dudes are going to blow out their knee. Dudes are going to get concussions because we're not supposed to be running into each other at full speed. It's, we're just not. Period. Yeah. It's just it's this game is meant to hurt you. Yeah. You can put rules in, in place to kind of pad it a bit. But it is what it is. All right, let's try this again. The Miami Dolphins, the yeah. home team. They are 3-3, three and three, Kev. They are 2-1 and one at home. They do get Tua back. Keep in mind, this was a situation when Tua was healthy before the concussions. This was the hottest team in football. This yeah. was the one that heading into that Thursday night matchup against the Bengals. It was like, holy smokes, like, you know, this is a big time. The Joe Burrow versus Tua. Tua, you could put some oomph behind his name. Like, he has his star power now. They're the home team. They're welcoming in your Pittsburgh Steelers. Who's favored and what's the line? Well, of course, Miami Dolphins are favored. Right. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not crazy out Who's here. Who's favored? It's the Dolphins, <laughs> and it's because of the Steelers' line. But now the line is what, Kevin? The line should be at least six. You've been within. There's only one you've been off off completely, but everything else you've been within a half a point or a point. It's a seven point Miami Dolphins. That's fair. Right. That's fair. So, uh, that's about right as well. The Kansas City Chiefs. And the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, your buddy. 49ers getting healthier. They are the home team. They are 3-3. Three and three. We talked about this earlier. We're doing our top 10 after the Monday Night Football matchup on Tuesday. That the 49ers have more players out than any other team in yeah. football. And they're starting to get some of those guys back. They're getting healthy. They are undefeated at home. They have the Kansas City Chiefs 4-2 and two coming in. The Chiefs just lost to the Bills in a very entertaining game and the biggest rivalry now, obviously, Joe, or, I'm sorry, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. What's the line? Or who wins and what's the line? Critical game for both teams. Niners are 3-3. Three and three. You don't want to go to 3-4 and four and messing around in the NFC West. And then you look at it from the Kansas City Chiefs' point of view. You got two crucial interceptions thrown by Patrick Mahomes, one in the end zone and then one in the game. And you don't want to lose two in a row. With that being said, I think that the Kansas City Chiefs are favored by three and a half. Three and a half. And the Kansas City Chiefs are favored. And they are favored by two and a half. So another point. Uh, there we go. On, stri- on uh, Facebook, by the way, William Yelly says, Joe Burrow isn't a small body with neck and back problems already from college. William. Please go read a book and understand how Man. concussions work. Do you realize that Andre the mother freaking giant can get a concussion? Like, stop. Yeah, you, you're, you, everything <laughs> I say about the Bengals, you guys get freaking defensive of and have to come back. Well, Joe Burrow's a god. He is just he's indestructible. And he very well might be, by the way. I am impressed how his legs still work. I am impressed <laughs> how the guy could still stand up. The I will compliment Joe Burrow on this. He has to be the toughest SOB in the damn league because that guy takes more hard hits than any other quarterback in the NFL uh, and he gets back up. I'll give him that. But, William, stop it. I wasn't taking a shot at your quarterback. I'm not the defensive line for any opposing team that they're playing. All right? I was simply saying 
Bengals fans need to pay attention and worry about how NFL teams are mishandling the perception of how to deal with concussions because with as much as Joe Burrow gets hit, it's only a matter of time before his head bashes off the field, and then the Bengals are going to be all scared to put him out on the field because of backlash that they're going to get. That's just, I use the team that you guys like around here. wasn't going to use the Browns because the Browns, you know, well, you don't like that quarterback. You probably hope that his head bashes off the damn field. All right, uh, up next, Kev. Uh, my goodness, Again, the, the, my blood pressure was fine, but now it's just you can't say anything about that damn team. They no, get no. super. Joe Burrow's a god. Joe Burrow, you can't hurt that man. Stop it, William. Stop it, <laughs> Bill. Come on now. All right, up next. What's the line? Who's favored? The Patriots. Oh, that damn Patriots team. I think they're still just hanging out in the end zone in Cleveland. To be quite honest with you, third string quarterback. <sighs> Three and three. The Browns, a backup quarterback. <laughs> we all know why they lost. Come on. The Patriots, the excuse bell. The Patriots, three and three. They are the home team. They're welcoming in Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears, who are two and four. Who's favored and what's the line? About to get ugly for our boy Fields, man. Uh, Patriots are the favorite, and they should be favored by six. Seven and a half. New England, seven and a half point favorites at home. Interestingly enough, right there. All right, we close it out with our final two ones here. Let's go to uh, Cincinnati, the three and three Bengals, who have won two of their last three. They are the home team. They are welcoming in the Falcons, who are also three and three. And the Falcons have kind of been a very interesting team mm-hmm. this season, Kev, because this is a a team that all their losses have been narrow losses. I mean. They lost by one. All the all the losses have been by one possession. They lost twenty-seven to twenty-six to the Saints. All right. They lost thirty-one to twenty-seven against the Rams in L.A. Back when the Rams were healthier, <laughs> and then they just lost to the Buccaneers two weeks ago, twenty-one to fifteen. They're, they're they're kind of a sneaky. You know, they're just one of those teams where. You want to pick against them because they're supposed to be rebuilding, but they're that scrappy team that you can't rule them out. I Right now, Cincinnati, the home team, they're going to have their hands full. I do not think, you know, Joe Burrow and everyone saying the next three games are going to define us. You're saying that because you're letting the world know we're better than these next three teams and we should win. Well, that's when they get punched in the mouth. And I don't think they're going to have to wait to Cleveland to get punched in the mouth. I think they get punched in the mouth this Sunday against the, or against, uh, the Falcons. But, Kev... Who's favored and what's the line, Bengals and Falcons? The Falcons have gone completely Oregon freshman year with Marcus Mariota. They are running the crap out the ball, and they're throwing jump balls to their tall receiver. Drake London's like 6'5", and then finally the other receivers are getting involved. But this reminds me so much of how they played at Oregon when he was a freshman, using his athletic ability to get out on the edge, dump it off to the tight end for short pickups, but really sticking with the run game. I think the Cincinnati Bengals' defense is good enough to shut that down. I think the Cincinnati Bengals win the game, and I think they're favored probably by 5.5. You did it again. Six and a half. The Cincinnati Bengals are favored by six and a half uh, coming up. And again, the defense, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. We'll see. Um, but uh, yes, the Cincinnati Bengals are favored by six and a half. And last and certainly least, uh, <laughs> the Cleveland Browns. Oh, boy. At the Baltimore Browns. Um, <laughs> the Baltimore Ravens, three and three. Three losses have all come 
after leading by double digits with just a few minutes to go in these ball games. Uh, Baltimore uh, coming off a very tough loss last week against the Giants, and they are three and three. Even in their win against Cincinnati, it was not a pretty win. Baltimore does not look fluid offensively, but they are the most lethal running team in football right now. Cleveland has the best running back in football, but right now the Ravens have the best running attack in football, and that's going to be their main focus because the Browns can't stop the damn run. The Ravens are the home team. They're three and three. Kev, they are one and two at home. That's the thing too. Exactly. They're one and two at home. But the Browns are two and four. They're one and one on the road. They're reeling. They uh, both teams are desperate. But I think Cleveland's more desperate than Baltimore. But then no, they're both just damn desperate. I we could do this game all day of who's more desperate. Ravens at home. Browns reeling. Kev, who's favored? What's the line? Ravens are favored four and a half. And I think it should probably be three. Because the way the Ravens just only play three quarters, they're going to let the Browns back into the fourth quarter. That's what they've done all season to every opponent. They get up and they say, all right, game's over. Wrong. Game's not over till all four quarters are played. So I think Baltimore still wins. And I think they should be favored by four and a half. I'm going to go with four and a half. So the line for the Browns and the Ravens, the Ravens are the favorites and they are a six and a half point favorite at home. Mm. Just this wait to the fourth quarter. That'll this, give you a chance to be come one back. The, you know, in a close game. I mean, the bottom line is, is I don't feel good about the, the Browns' chances. I think they are desperate this weekend. But Baltimore, you know, the Browns' season of just having extending their chance to hang in the mix is on the line this weekend. The Ravens' playoff chances are on the line this coming up weekend. They got to uh, win. They're not going to get eliminated. But, like, you, you, if you're Baltimore, there's not light at the end. Cleveland has Deshaun Watson coming at the end of the year, right? Like, they have, they have light at the end of the tunnel. They have guys that they can get healthier. The Ravens, not so much. Like, I, I, if I'm the Ravens, by the way, if I'm a Ravens fan, I'd be pissed off that the Kansas City Chiefs are about to get Odell Beckham Jr. If I'm a Ravens fan, I'm pissed off that the Falcons, or that the Cardinals, after losing Hollywood Higgins or Hollywood Brown, within hours of that news, they go out and get Robbie Anderson. Read an article today, the Ravens have made zero contact for Odo Beckham Jr. They made zero attempt to go get uh, you know, Robbie Anderson. They, Would you be more mad at that or the fact that you blew three wins? I mean, we talk about the Browns blowing games. <laughs> the Ravens have blown more games than the Browns. It's not just a, that's not just a defensive stat, though. That's the offense. Yeah, no, no, that's what I'm like saying. That. That's what, think, exactly what I'm saying. But if you're the Ravens, you can't go rehaul an entire roster. But, damn, you could at least make effort. Your roster, you haven't paid anyone yet. You haven't paid your quarterback. Go pay, go make a trade for Roby and show that you're desperate to win. Because you know what's happening? The Chiefs don't need them. The Bills don't need them. They've inquired. And the Chiefs just restructured some contracts because they're going to go get out of Beckham Jr. And they're going to add him, and they don't need him because they want it. Hey, we know we have a chance to win a Super Bowl, but we're going to guarantee we win it if Odell Beckham Jr. returns to form like he was with L.A. as the third option uh, in an offense. Uh, but you know, yes, not, I notice he's going lower and lower on what you thought he was. A couple weeks ago, it was the second option. Now he's the third I option. But I say he's the number three option. He was never the second option. He was. He was not in L.A. No, he was. No, he was not. <laughs> he was not. Van Jefferson was hurt. That doesn't mean that you're psyched. That just means you're... Uh, he nope, wasn't nope, playing. Nope, calm down. So if you're not playing, Packers, you can't be the second or third option. Packers are a crap organization for not going after another weapon for... I mean, you can't sit here and be, you know, 
oh man, we don't have no pass catchers for our quarterbacks and then do nothing about it. While all these other teams who technically don't need it as much as you do continue to add and improve their rosters. The Ravens, you're a joke of an organization if you don't even try to give your quarterback help who maybe you're saying, hey, I don't want to give him help. I want him to struggle to justify not giving him the guaranteed money, which I think that plays a role in this too. All right. There it is. That was our NFL talk. We'll, be get, we'll get back to that coming up more uh, later on in the show. But, um, all right. Um, let's see. I don't. Feel, I see a lot of pills in the chat, so I don't feel like <laughs> yeah. David Shaw said, ring the bell. Kenner's blood pressure going through the roof. Uh, William Yelly says, do you think the Browns played down to their competition? Like maybe they thought the Patriots with Zappi, the third stringer, are going to blow them out. Um, no, I think Zappi's not as bad as what people think, but the Browns are as bad as what I now have been saying defensively coming into the season. Everyone talks about how great that defense could be. That defense is not good. They have they hide behind their star defensive players, right? They oh they they put Denzel Ward front and center. center. They put Miles Garrett front and center. Oh Owusu Koromoa, they put him front and center. Well. You should make them all spread out, and the gap between them all, that's exactly what everyone's running through because that's how – and the, the secondary is horrible. They look solid on paper, but they're as soft as paper. Uh, no, I don't think – the Browns aren't good enough to play down to their competition. They're just not. That, I, I don't think so. All right. Um, do, 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 do. The Ravens picked up Deshaun Jackson. Stop it, Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson. That's Boy, like when they picked that. up right. Dez Bryant. Yeah, you might as well. Yes, you might as well go get Des Bryant. I think Terrell Owens, before in the preseason, said he'd be open. Him and Ocho Cinco both said they'd be. The, the Ravens should contact Terrell Owens, Ocho Cinco to pair up with Deshaun Watson, just revamp that entire wide receiver room. Call Terrell Randy Moss while you're at it. Yeah, might as well. <laughs> might as well. Hall of Famers. Oh, Too yeah. bad they're in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> All right, uh, it's the Justin Kinner Show with Kevin Nash here on 1410 ESPN Radio. The Today Show tomorrow morning, the Centerville Elks are going to be featured on the Today Show. How cool is that? Very. Uh, Brent Ory with uh, Jack Pohl is going to be uh, doing an interview live. Brent Ory, the head coach of the Elks, who's about to join us now. Um, he's going to you know, he's gonna be on TV, national TV tomorrow, but he's going to hang out with his little radio folks coming up here. <laughs> Brent Ory, the head coach of the Centerville Elks, will talk about the Elks season as they wrap up against the Wayne Warriors tomorrow night in a big uh, Week 10 showdown. The playoffs coming up around the corner. We'll talk about that. They did have their star quarterback go down, and now they've been trying to adjust a, another quarterback into the fold heading into the big stretch coming up as the postseason looms. And then, oh yeah, we'll talk about what this uh, today's show appearance means nice. uh, for uh, the Centerville community. So, good stuff. I'm excited to bring on Brent Ulrey, the head coach of the Centerville Elks. He joins us next. Paid for by the Sentinel Group. Attention Marines, military personnel, families, and contractors who are stationed at